There's an implicit bias to keep doing what you're doing because it's working when you know in your gut the direction that you're walking is the wrong direction. And I will say this, I have a lot of belief in myself and my skill sets and everything that I kind of built up over the last decade. As soon as I decide the path I want to take, I will excel. Who do I want to become 10 years from now? Is there a figure today that I'm like, damn, I want to become them? Who, who comes to mind? Right now, the one that comes to mind is like, Brand. Your brand isn't your logo. It's not your brand identity. It's not a font. It's not a font kit. It's like this idea and this feeling that comes to you when you think about it. You want to talk about Zach Pograv a little bit more? What did he do better than most other people do who are trying to build a personal brand around something? I say this in a good way. He never shut up. All right, we're back. Weekends episode nine. Who would have thought? Nine in. What do we got? What do we have left till 21? I can't, we don't do public math. 12 episodes left till we get to 21 episodes. For those that don't know, 21 episodes is like the golden number. If you get past that, you're going to be a hero. 1% of podcasters if you get past 1%. that. 1%. Episode Let's 9, go. bro. That's Brazil Ronaldo. That's El Fenomeno. That's uh, Joe DiMaggio. We're, we're going to run it up with, with the sports numbers until we get to an episode so high that, that there's none left. I guess at 99, we get Gretzky, and then after that, it's over. When I was watching back eight and you just spit those off, you're like, this is Kobe. You just went down like three or four. I was like, all right, this has got to be a, a theme. That was, did you have those pre-written or you just no, know? No, man, you, I just, you, uh, I'm a big, big sports nerd, bro. Like I just yeah. love sports growing up, especially NBA. Um, NBA, like honestly, bro, like we're, we're talking about things that we want to create. I, I wouldn't mind, I'm not going to do it, but I wouldn't mind just being an NBA commenter slash creator. That's how much I love that that brand in that league. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to keep it. I'm not going to look them up before each episode. I'm going to try to keep it. I know these sports guys, so I know like every number basically. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, episode nine, we're locked in. If you're listening, make sure to subscribe. Episode eight was a banger. Trailer was a banger. Episode was a banger. We're just, we're, we're, we're dropping bangers as much as we can. Um, all right. We're going to start off with, let's say we're conflicted. We'll keep it that open. Why don't you, you tee up how you're thinking? Cause I think you and I are both in these, it's a thought spiral, but I, I don't, it's overthinking, but I don't think it is overthinking because anytime you feel like you're conflicted, there's some truth that's like bubbling beneath. So talk through what you're feeling. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't, is it overthinking or is it just thinking, you know, like when it comes down to it, if you're strategizing, that's just strategy. That's a strategy that's brainstorming. That's thinking. I don't know that it's overthinking. So let me frame this. 23 I was, I came out all guns blazing, but that's because I had a very, very direct strategy. I knew exactly what I was doing. I'm going to make content every single day covering this new wave that we're seeing in AI, this new generative, keeping people updated, covering every breakthrough, every LLM, everything that's happening in the space I'm going to cover. And there was uh, an ulterior motive in essence, right? I wanted to be a voice in, uh, in this category. I wanted to build influence and trust here because I wanted to bring people into Aluna, which was my AI sort of ecosystem and a product that we were building in the space. Now we're shifting Aluna more towards a creator tool. So it's like, okay, making AI, AI content, it's like, I will do it here and there because the audience likes it. They like to stay updated. So whenever I see fit, I will do it, but it no longer serves like a strategic business purpose. Um, you know, why would I continue to do AI if I'm building a tool that's sort of segmented as a creator specific tool, not necessarily like an AI adjacent tool? Um, and if I'm not going to be selling a course on AI or how to use AI, like it really kind of makes no sense. And so now I'm like, okay, well, I'm building a creative tool. It's more for like newscasters and news journalists and sort of citizen journalists, that kind of stuff. 
but I don't know that I love make like, so one strategy would just be to continue doing that. Just like breaking news, newscaster style as, as you and I have done and then build a tool uh, that fits perfectly in that ecosystem, but I don't love it. And so now I'm like, now I'm trying to like go back to the drawing board. Like what kind of content do I want to put out there? I don't know that I want to make content just to get views. I don't think that makes sense. I think there needs to be some sort of strategy behind it. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I will say this, this is a great problem to have, but I have a lot of belief in myself and my, and, and, uh, my skill sets and everything that I've, I've kind of built up over the last decade. I feel like as soon as I decide the path I want to take, I will excel. Like if I wanted to be just a tech reviewer on YouTube, I think I could do a killer job there. But will I burn out? Will I be satisfied? Is that fulfilling? Is that exciting to me? I don't know. And so I'm trying to figure out the hybrid, the, the combination, the union, the marriage of what I love and what will be good for me strategically, business and money-wise. That I haven't cracked. And so that's where the overthinking comes in. But again, I think that's just strategizing. What do yeah. you think about that? Not overthinking, just thinking is a bar. So we're gonna lock that one up in the in the archives for sure. I'm I'm in the exact same boat. So the interesting thing is, so you had a product that you were trying to market. So it's like you started picking the content angle based on a product and worked backwards, which is how most people approach it. Like that that makes a lot of sense. The thing is when the product changes or when the market you wanna change changes or the market you wanna impact changes, then you have to like retool. For me, it's even more uh, broad and directionless because I didn't even have a product when I was starting and I specifically picked like multiple buckets because I didn't know where I wanted to make content. Similarly, like I, I, I guess kind of, I kind of did have a product because we were building a fashion brand on Web3 Rails. So I was I started out making content around fashion brands. Like I was I talked about Kith. I talked about Emilion Door. Like I was really breaking down those. I only went to the AI content because I stumbled upon, I think I made a video about like ChatGPT four or 3.5 came out or four came out and it was crazy. And I'm, and that video went insane. It got like 2 million views. And I was like, wow, like people seem to really like this. So then I went down the AI path just cause I was trying to pull views and, and I had no product. So we're in kind of the same boat where it's like, the thing, I've been thinking about this a lot. And so maybe my one liners aren't as tight because I have so many thoughts about it. But like, if you're taking the long view, if this is a long game, which like we both are chasing the hot thing or even, or like chasing, making content for a product that you don't think you're going to be building for 20 years, it's really just a distraction. Like it's you just running in circles, right? Now, maybe it's a distraction in terms of like it's worth nothing or what I think for both of us, it is worth something. Cause like we built influence. We like practice our skills. We built, we took rep, we like made reps and built skills. So it's not that it's worthless, but like, there's an implicit bias to keep doing what you're doing because it's working when you know in your gut the direction that you're walking is the wrong direction. And like for both of us, I would say that's true. Like we are really good at the talking head explainer style. That explainer style could be AI. I've done some stuff for brand. Like we've done a variety. You've done some stuff like storytelling, Steve Jobs storytelling. We're good at all that. Like we're good at that. But I feel like if you play out the long term, where does that net you? Like, like I've been thinking a lot about who do I want to be like? And if you play out the style of content we make today, 20 years from now, who, who does that make us like? I don't, I don't know. Like, like who in mind do you think, who do you think of when you think of this like talking head content? Because that's more or less what we'll become if that's all we do. 
Yeah, no, I think that's well said. Where my head goes to, I've been thinking a lot about taste and being a taste maker. And the one thing that I kind of come back to is this idea that I want to optimize for respect, not views. I want to like, I, I had a keep, I want to say tweet, but it was a thread the other day where I said like, basically where I want to get to is where when you see an RP Nixon video pop up on your feed, like you're excited to watch, like it's a must watch because I'm going to come with something either fresh or new or interesting, or I'm going to take like a groundbreaking idea and simplify it. Or it's like, this is something that you need to know. I'm not, I'm not going to ever come with, you know, I don't ever want to come with like some BS that doesn't add any value, like to, to the end user and audience. So it's like, um, and I think from there, when you talk about people that you kind of want to model after, one, one name that always comes to mind, not the content format, but sort of the brand is Casey Neistat. I always think about Casey Neistat. And when I go and I'm like, oh, maybe I should just be, and we can talk about this later, batch versus quality. I'm actually, I'm against all guru speak where it's like just batch your shit because there's so much batch. fucking noise on social media it's also bullshit. I'm like, I'm scrolling so fast that very few names stop the scroll anymore. It's just, it's all garbage, man, out there now. Like, there is not. A, um, and when I think of, I, so I always go back to Casey Neistat. I'm like, is this a video that he would make? Like, it would be so, some of the videos that I've made, if Casey made, I'd be like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> you know? Same, and same, same. Not that I'm like, okay, I, I need to follow in his footsteps. He's the OG. He's like the guy. But that kind of brand is something that I'd like to cultivate where it's just like, yo, it's taste, it's value, it's dope. Um, and I'm not so worried about the product. Like I'm a product mind, I'll be building product, whatever. I'm more worried about the brand. I do think brand is everything. And as we've talked about, all of the best creators, they spent years and years and years just building this brand and making the dopest shit possible before even thinking of product in, in a lot of cases, right? So again, uh, are, are we getting ahead of ourselves maybe and now more and more as I think about my strategy going into 24, it's like, I just want to make cool shit, man. I just want to be respected by the people I respect. That's what one of the things that I, I'm going to try to start doing. So there's, there's like, who do I want to become? So like 20 years from now or 10 years from now, is there a figure today that I'm like, damn, I want to become them. And obviously everyone has like parts of their life that are below the surface there, that you don't really know. Who, who comes to mind? Well, the, right now, the one that comes to mind is like George Heaton or Ronnie Feig. Those are the two. So Ronnie Feig, founder of Kith, George Heaton, founder of Represent. Represent is like a Kith-esque type brand. I would say Kith is has more maturity in terms of like partnerships and like different types of products that aren't just clothes, but Represent built is building like a straight up movement. The, the brand, the clothing brand itself, but like George Heaton is a savage fitness person, like one of the fittest dudes in the world, runs these crazy races and does these crazy competitions. And for me, like if I really look at what, what I like most, it's fitness and it's physical products, like to the touch. It doesn't just mean clothes, but like when I pick up an AirPods case or when I pick up this, uh, this magic trackpad, like the feeling of the product in my hand, the way that like it's constructed, the, the edges, like that's where my eyes go. Now I'm not a, it's ironic I talk about this because I'm not an industrial designer. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a textile manufacturer. Like I don't actually have the knowledge to be able to produce those things, but that's what I think about all the time. Like when I, when I walk into a furniture store, I'm like looking at the aesthetic of the cabinet and like the way it's constructed. That, that's just like where my mind goes. So it's fitness and physical product. And to me, those are the guys that have done that really. And there's, there's probably others, but those are the guys that I see that have Ronnie Feig, not so much fitness, but George Heaton, like both of those things, it's, it's amazing to emulate. So it's like, 
one one aspect is who do you want to become in 20 years? But something I'm going to try doing in the short term is a little different, which is like, if you could make a video for one person, would that person like it? And that per, but it's not just like any person, it's the person that you want to like it. So, and, and it's going to be a fixed person. So I used to think of this, like every time I make a video, who am I making it for? So for example, I made some bullshit throwaway video yesterday about uh, the figure robot. In my head before, I was like, well, if I'm going to make this for one person, it's going to be like someone who likes robotics. The way I'm approaching it now is like this guy, Jesse Sebastiani from Nelk, who started Sunday. We've talked about him. He's He is like a good, not 20-year guy, but like a peer, right? Like he's our age, but like doing something crazy. He understands media. He's building a fashion brand, building a lifestyle brand. Like he is who I kind of want to become. He is on a huge health journey. So now the frame I'm going to use is like, if I make this video, would Jesse like it and share it? And if the answer is no, I'm not making it. And 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 be, the reason I'm doing that is not like literally because I want to be Jesse, but it's because I want to be someone like Jesse and I need to get in the mindset of angling my creative towards that direction. So for example, like what are things Jesse would like? Definitely fashion content, like how to's, like, how, oh, here's how I made this blank. Like that's cool. But also probably like, oh, the story of Supreme and like how it actually worked or it, it doesn't even have to be that specific. It could be like, oh, a video I'm gonna make is around to the Stanley Cups. So the Stanley Cups are going super viral. People are paying like 4X on eBay for those right now. That it's, video would it's do crazy well. trend. Yeah, so that would do well. And it's also like a marketing brand angle. That's not some like corny cookie cutter shit that like anyone could make. That's That, that could be like a Callaway special in terms of the way I approach marketing and strategy, but Jesse would like it. And so I'm trying to use... I'm curious to get your thoughts on this this kind of like framing because when you make anything for anybody, which is what I was doing, it's impossible to have direction. You're like a circle. You're just walking around in every direction. So I'm trying to like angle myself so that I can kind of position to where I want to be. What do you, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think that's right. First of all, that, that video that you just described, I do think that is your specialty. Like you should lean into that more, right? So it's like, Okay, I want the Callaway breakdown on on how this brand was able to achieve this. How do they achieve this cult fandom around this one product that, uh, by the way, a million other companies make? Like, what what is so special? How do they get from point A to point B? Like that, I love that. Then we talk about Jesse. It's like, who he is now, if Jesse didn't have Nelk, if he just started off doing Sunday, he wouldn't pop, right? Like, it would just be, what what like, it is special, but it's special because of sort of the mystique that surrounds Jesse and his story and the fandom and sort of like the connection that millions of fans around the world have with him over the last decade making content. So it's like, if you wanted to say, be a Jesse, you don't start off by being a Jesse. You start off in, and we could get to this later because we're going to talk about Zach, but like obsession years of doing something different. So like Jesse put in eight to 10 years in the mud just doing pranks, right? Yeah, yeah. Who would have known that this crazy prank dude from Canada just doing debauchery prank shit would then build like the sophisticated ultra marketing sick ass brand? It's like, it's a process is I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so it's like, is it a trap to, to, uh, to, to kind of try to position yourself to the person or the creator or the brand or the builder you want to become in 10 years? Is it, is it a sort of a trap to try to get there too early? You know, you kind of got to put in anybody. We just, we just talked about Casey Neistat. He had to put in his obsession year where he vlogged every single damn day. It's like every, and every big creator has that, you know, ha have those like two, three, four, five years of self-discovery. Another great example we talk about a lot is Ali Abdal. He wasn't a productivity guy. 
he was a how to get into medical school guy for years and years and years. And then he started sprinkling in productivity and found signal there and realized, oh shit, this is, I could, I could corner this market. I could own this word. He became that guy. Another guy is the uh, stoicism guy, Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday was not a stoicism, you know, Marcus Aurelius cover creator. He was something completely different for years and years and years. He started making, sprinkling that into his content. People loved it and he realized, yo, I want to corner this. I'm going to go all in. Um, yeah, they let themselves drift. That's that's the yeah, key. Is like they you, let they you, let you themselves. Have to. You have to let yourself drift. You have to you have to make shit about like I I have videos because um, I'm trying to plan. Uh, I, I want to have like we, we're gonna talk about it later. We might do 29 and 29 in February, but like I don't want to do that challenge unless I have like 22 scripts ready, and then hopefully seven news stories might break, or whatever. But I'm writing scripts down. I'm talk. I, I, I want to cover things that I like that I've never covered before. Um, I want to let myself drift a little bit this year. I want to let myself experiment and explore more. So I don't know that you have to put too much pressure on yourself, um, especially in the early years, man. It's like, just try shit, you know, try yeah. shit. And eventually you're going to find like, I know exactly what I want to do all in on this corner. I'm going to be the guy. So, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good counterpoint. Cause I feel like, so I, I agree. I'm not, I'm not trying to put too strict of guardrails on, but for what I've, if I'm being self-aware, like what I've been doing to this point is I know this like cult brand strategy marketing product angle is like where I'm special. I know that. But those videos take a lot of effort. I, I can't do those every day because I don't have like- What takes the longest time? Is it the ideation, scripting? What, 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 uh, where does most of that effort lie? It definitely takes more research to put, to put the story together. Maybe yeah. instead of like 30 minutes, it's like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. But also the execution on the editing- is significantly higher like as people will know like when we when we get a source video of like an apple event it's easy to put that together because you've got the best visual in the world that you just overlay you split us you do full screen half so it's easy. really easy yeah. it's really hard minutes. to put it together when like you got to go back in the archives and like find clips of different like if I, the stanley cup thing i would have to go find interviews of the new ceo before right if i want to talk about her so it's just a 100%. lot more of like an archaeologist an internet archaeologist as well as a storyteller and an editor and everything and so those those videos which i love making them but they end up taking five to eight hours instead of two to three and so what what which is fine but what what where i've been messing up i think is I put these, and I say this every episode, I put these arbitrary deadlines on myself to put a video out every single day. And when I get started at noon and the video's gotta be out by five, I think, oh shit, I only have five hours, so I can't do one of those cult, I can't start the process of one of those cult videos today. I should just do a layup that I know can pull views. And those layups is where I'm wasting my time. It's not that I'm like afraid to drift naturally. It's more like, I'm not letting myself drift because I'm forcing myself into this like junk food newscaster type stuff, which is exactly what I did yesterday. Like that, that is literally exactly what I did. I made a sick video that I sent to an editor that I'm trialing out. And then I was like, I've got three hours. What can I make? And I made this robot, the robot video. So for me as like another way to think about it would be for you, right? Let's say Casey nice. That's your filter. If in the back of your mind, you, every time you sat down to make a video or every time you sat down to write a script, you kind of just had one thought where you're like, if this ends up how I think it could, would Casey Neistat like this? Like, would this be the kind of thing that he might like and want to rewatch and share with a friend? If like, if you had that as a filter, you're right. Like it would prevent your natural drift for like the sh crazy shit on the edges that not even Casey would like. 
but at least I I think it would help angle you into like throwing away those junk food ideas that he for sure wouldn't like, which you probably shouldn't be making anyway. That That's kind of how I'm, I was trying to think of it. But it might be that even to your point, even that might be too rigid. Like maybe I should just not put the pressure on at all and just like literally let myself go wherever I go. Yeah. There's so many ways to run with that and unpack that. I mean, scientifically, let's get like mathematically first. Like I can point to actual examples. I sent you one the other day that was a video I did on on this AI tool. Uh, Two million views, 80,000 shares. And I think it probably got me like a thousand followers, if that. So the signal was there that it's like, okay, people are watching this because of the novelty of the tool, not because of anything that I'm doing, because I'm literally, that video took under 15 minutes for me to make. I took an existing video and I said, wow, look what you can do or whatever. It's, it's, um, and so then I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, that's probably not worthwhile. But then, then again, if it takes under an hour and I'm getting a thousand followers, that's probably like, it all comes back to what you're optimizing for. Right now, I'm optimizing for my brand. I'm not in a rush again. And by the way, I have a question here for you later in the show from, from one of my friends named Truman who submitted. But I'm not in a rush uh, to make money because I know it'll come. Like if I can build a brand and I can have that trust. You mentioned the other day, you're trying to get to the point where you can sell 1,500 hoodies in a tweet. There are creators out there that could sell anything, sell out anything in a tweet or even an Instagram story or whatever. And that comes with years and years and years and years of building that trust. And so it's a very, very long-term game. Um, you know, if I want to build a 10 or $100 million company, like I'm not in a rush. Let me get that trust first at distribution. And I'm in position to do that, luckily. Like the question that I have later for you is, well, we'll get to that later. Um, but I always just come down to, man, we were just talking about before the episode, it's like creator is such a convoluted word now. It's just, it's about as general as the word worker. It's a million different types of creators who are doing things for different reasons. It all comes down to what you're optimizing for. 2024, I'm optimizing for brand. 2025, I'm going to optimize probably for the finances. Yeah, I want to pull in a seven-figure year in 2025. There's different ways that I can do it. Probably even more. You and I, I think we, we both can get there. But that doesn't come before the trust and the brand part. And so, yeah, man, it's... Uh, it's interesting from a mathematical standpoint. It's like, do I want to make one of these cinematic videos that are appreciated by the people that I respect? I'm getting DMs from people that I've admired for 10 years. Or do I want to make these quick hit videos that might get 2 million views, bring in a little... I, I don't, uh, again, goes back to the first segment of the show. I don't know. I don't know exactly know my strategy yet. Um, but, you know, I'll figure it out. What's tough is, and you mentioned this, you like we have these conversations. You and I are aligned. I leave these conversations. I'm like, all right, yes, bias towards unique one of one quality whatever i don't need to hit these like crazy thresholds i'm setting and i feel good about that then you see you go on instagram and you see two things one you see people you respect who are deploying the opposite strategy and it appears to be working so like someone who i love is like Oren. we both love Oren. Oren is a machine like he is putting out so much quantity and it's really high quality because he actually is like unique and was a cmo and brand strategist but he's taking more of like a He's not, I, I don't want to say polished because the videos are really good, but like he doesn't care about 10 out of 10 quality. He's fine with seven out of 10 quality, but like 14 videos a week or whatever crazy output. And it's working for him. So I'm yeah, like- I didn't realize he's putting out that many. That's all right, he's, he's probably not putting out that many, but it's at least seven. It's at least one a day. So so I'm like, damn, that, and it's not that he's bragging about like, and saying like, oh, quality suck, quality doesn't matter. He's not saying that, but like through his actions, you're watching and you're like, oh, wow, it's working for him. Quantity 
taking a step or two down on quality just so he doesn't have to edit them and take forever editing for quantity is working. You watch like these other people you respect doing that and it starts to, you start to second guess like, oh wow, like I've seen five people now play the quantity and not really care about the quality game 10 out of 10 and it's working. And then you see these other guys, I don't want to mention this guy, but I'm sure we've both seen him, who's like just over and over, over pounding the same like super stale, high quantity, like quality doesn't matter. You just need to be consistent with quantity and you can like rip views and rip sales. Like over, I'm seeing this over and over and over. And like, this is an ode to the fact of like the input you drive in from content really does dictate what you think. There is no way to think differently than the inputs you're giving yourself. And so you have to find a way if you don't believe that's right. Like in my gut, I believe quantity over quality is wrong. Like I just believe that's wrong. I think Christopher Nolan wins in the end versus a thousand tweet Tony. Wait, so I think you mean quantity over quality is wrong, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quantity over quality is wrong. I believe quality at matters more than people give it credit for like i believe a lower number with a higher quality is better like i just i believe that in my gut and so what's hard is like i believe that and then everything i'm pumping into my brain everything i'm seeing a lot of the examples i'm seeing are all pushing quantity 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 and it it does make me second guess like i'm not david goggins like i don't have this like delusional filter over my brain where I'm able to tune out everything. I'm just not there yet. And so when you see everything that's contradictory to the strategy you believe in, it becomes really hard and sometimes tantalizing to try what they're doing. And that's, that I think is that, that gets to what I'm talking about, about like putting out these low effort, high quantity pieces every single day. And like me sometimes falling into that trap. So yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're listening and you're thinking like, okay, I believe in one thing, but all the things I'm seeing are pushing me the other way, the opposite way. That doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong, right? It just means your input is contradictory to what you believe. Yeah, again, I think it's so nuanced and there's so many variables. When you, when you think about Oren, if he's putting out that kind of quantity, but it's also quality matched because to me, it's it not is, it noise. Is. It's not noise. It's like, it's all valuable stuff and, he's, and, he's, and it's like a case study that is like or- Orin's doing it right. I think he's doing um, it right. He's one of my favorites. Where I just th- yeah, when it when it's quantity, when it's the same thing rehashed over and over, I think um, it's compelling in the short term. There's a lot of signal. You get that high, but what ends up happening and there's a graveyard of these all over social media where a guy with like 500,000 followers, a million followers, and they just cannot get views. Uh, th- you know, there's a lot of people that I've known through the past where they've had their hot years. And now it's like you go to their pages, they'll have like a million followers and they'll get like 12,000 views. If that, and just, there's no respect there. It's not a, it's not a long-term sustainable thing, thing, no matter how uh, much that short-term sort of high uh, fools you. So it, it all depends, man. Like, honestly, I would love to put out 10 videos a day. If I could, if I could have like seven of 10 quality on each, I'm not trying to go out there and get a 10. I'm trying to do like a 10 to 10 quality piece, maybe once a month. Just to keep fueling, let me reframe this. Like the reason I went and did those cinematic videos, (laughs) it was sort of like a self-challenge. I was like, wait, I don't want to be known as like this AI newscaster guy. Let me just hit them with stuff to to let them know that I could could do work as good as anybody. Like that's how I, I felt about it. Let me just let them know that was like a branding thing for me. But I'm actually not going for 10 of 10. I'm going for like seven or eight of 10. Again, just right now without that content strategy in place, I don't know what that looks like. Um... But yeah, I think it's when like I started writing down like content ideas. It was like how to film yourself. What light like it was 
the same <laughs> shit that I'll, if I Everyone go on Instagram does. right now, I'm going to see 30 times. They're like, yeah. and I'm like, do I just want to be another noise creator? Like there's a certain level of pride. I think that comes in too. You know, I don't think it's like necessarily ego, but it's like, do I want to be another what's in my camera bag seven times a year or like, well, so this is a good question. What do you want to be, right? Because like, what, what, what's your latest thinking around that? Because I, exactly what you're describing is what happens when you pick a niche first and then you're like, okay, my niche is healthcare. What videos can I make about healthcare? And you start writing these lists and, and the headlines are exactly basically what you're describing, but like for healthcare, for filmmakers or for whatever the industry is, it just becomes so sanitized and so like corny to me. So I, and, and like, there's a lot of people making a ton of money and like doing really well and building influence around that strategy, but it just doesn't feel right in my gut. So I'm curious what, how are you thinking about this? Like, how are you trying to angle yourself right now? Um, well, first things first, like I, I'm, I'm running uh, Incurity Metaverse and Aluda. And so those are my big engines for when like Pulse comes out and these product comes out. I'm going to lean into those heavily as my distribution channels. So I'm thinking about myself from a personal standpoint, almost as like, a side project at the moment, if that makes sense, which, which gives me a little more flexibility. Um, I think that there is a, like, we talked about a course, right? That's always like, for me, not like necessarily plan B, but that's like the lowest hanging fruit. I see a lot of guys, like one of my, one of my buddies, a uh, viral video club, who's like dope. He actually makes good videos. He's found like this really sick, unique format where he like unveils hooks and he like peels it off. Um, but now he's got a new challenge, which I love because he's taking the audience on a journey. I'm going to make $100,000 in a month. A lot of people do this online. And it's always an info product, right? Which is, <laughs> again, it's very low-hanging fruit. Um, and, and I'm not against because I'm actually more and more into the idea, of course, as a curation, uh, as, a, as a curated product. I've always hated courses because I'm like, everything's available for free online. This is literally a grift. But then more and more I'm realizing, no, like where the magic is, is it's all curated in one place, um, delivered by a voice that you trust. So I don't know, man, like I, uh, product is, is my thing. Like that's really what I want to be doing. And the, on the personal side for personal content, I just want to be trusted, respected. And I just want that brand. Like when you think of, um, Here's a good, here's a good exercise. And then I want to get into Pograb, uh, Zach Pograb yeah. and, and, and obsession. Cause he's done this super, super well brand. Your brand isn't your logo. It's not your brand identity. It's not a font. It's not font. Kit. It's like this idea and this feeling that comes to you when you think about it. Um, you know, all the greats, Nike, Apple, Coca-Cola, they, they do this really well. One guy that we both love, who's a friend of ours, Zach Pograb. Uh, he was behavior hack. Now he rebranded to his, to his, uh, full name on Instagram, but he's active everywhere. But I think Instagram's like his hub. He's done this so well that when I think of Zach, I'm now thinking of the dark place. I'm thinking of obsession. I'm thinking of like th these visuals that he puts out. It's like really rugged and raw. It's like ethereal. He's a great writer. It's like the brand, the feeling that I have connected, uh, to him is really powerful. Zach is not somebody who has, who's building like a lot of products, this and that, who has any necessarily an offer. But when he goes to write that book, when he goes to do whatever it is that he's going to go off and do, when he goes to do this paid IRL community, it's going to sell out and it's going to be spectacular success. Zach is doing it right. He's in no rush. He's going to build this brand for three or four years. And then he's going to come out with the New York Times bestseller, whatever it is. Fucking kudos to Zach. Uh, but the question I have before we get into that is when you think of a branding exercise, like when you, like, what do you want people to think when they think of Callaway, right? I think that's a good 
place to reverse engineer from. Yeah. Well, my, my, the answer that comes to mind is like a little corny, to be honest, and very broad. But all I want is for people to be like, that dude's dope. Like when, because, because the, the medium or the message. Like how you feel about Jesse. Yeah. In a way, when I watch the Sunday videos, I'm like, yeah, that dude's dope. So yeah, I guess perfect, perfectly said. It's basically like the medium and the message for me are going to change over my life. So if I'm trying to think of someone that's tied to a medium, right? So let's say Christopher Nolan. When you, when I say Christopher Nolan, one of the first three words that usually comes out is like filmmaker or like cinema. There, there are other like adjectives that describe how good he is at it, but like the, the vector that he creates in is so predictable because that's the one medium that he loves most is cinema. I don't think I'm going to be tied to a single medium or a single message. Zach Pograb is tied to obsession. That's like a message. He, maybe for this whole life, it could change. He might, he might, like you said, maybe he'll go five to 10 years and then like graduate to something else. But for now, it appears that like the message that he stands for is obsession. Obsession is him. He is obsession. And so it's really easy to obviously message that to others if like message is at the core. For me, I don't feel like a message or a medium is what defines me. But what defines me more is like my approach it's like a it's like a layer on top of everything i touch it's like a it's like a a veil and anytime you see something from me it could be a written piece it could be a video it could be a hoodie it could be a physical product i want everything that i touch to be like the callaway effect or whatever I, I'm, I'm having trouble articulating it but like that's what i mean by that dude's dope is like i can do anything i want but my the people that really love me think it's sick like they just think it's dope it's broad. That's it's. It, that's why it's. I think it's been hard to message what I'm trying to do and like to to rally people around because it's much easier to rally people around a medium or around a message. That's why like we talk about a lot. We were texting like Zach's amazing at building a cult brand around obsession. What's our obsession? And the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, like we could come up with like one or two word things that like we really care about. But I don't know. That doesn't. Right now, I don't have like a a specific cult message that I'm trying to push. It's more just like an approach to life, you know? Yeah. And by the, I mean, this is a great exercise for anybody listening. I think, um, you know, these are kind of the, the thought processes that you, you can go through as well. I also want to make the point, let's look, we, we love to talk about creating. And I think um, we understand like what are best practices, how to sort of hack the human psyche, uh, how to make dope shit visually. If you're, somebody who's just creating because you have an offer that you want to push. Also, that's a great thing as well. Like, don't be discouraged thinking you have to do anything amazing. You could, you could go out there and just push something day in, day out. We're not like hating on that path yeah, yeah, either. For sure. um, if you have a, a uh, freaking, you know, I don't know, I, nothing's coming to mind, but if you have some service business online and you just want to push that and you just want to create content around that and you're looking for leads, there's no better place to do it than on social media right now as a discovery platform. Um, there, there, so many ways. I had a call this morning with this really dope ass entrepreneur, uh, a buddy of mine from uh, from DC. He's got twenty eight uh, brick and mortar businesses, and he hit me up and he's like, "Hey, I want to get into content. What should I do?" And I'm like, "Listen, the blueprint is Hormozy. If you have nothing to sell to your audience, I don't think you're gonna you, you're gonna make hyper local, hyper targeted content for the DC area people to come be customers to your businesses. What you want to do is build a brand, talk about business." 
And the same way that Hormozzi did it, what Hormozzi's doing is actually brilliant. He's not sitting here, you know, selling anything to his audience. It's so brilliant. He's just building his brand and reputation. And so now his speaker fee is astronomical and everybody wants to book him as a speaker. If he wanted, he could probably do 50 to 100K per day, every day speaking at business events and conferences around the world. Um, so now he has that because of his brand online. But more importantly, I think, and granted, he's, yes, he's selling books and that, but books, honestly, for guys of his stature, are usually like rounding peanuts, air. you know, yeah. like that. That's yeah, exactly. It doesn't really add up. It's more, again, just more as a vehicle to build the brand. But where his real bread and butter is, is acquisition.com. And now I guarantee you, he's getting the most favorable deals possible because of the brand and the status that's attached to it. So if I have a company doing 5 million ARR and I want to go, I want to get acquired. I want to be acquired by a bigger vehicle, which I could then use their resources to build the business faster. Like I'm going to go to Hormozzi first if he was willing, because like, damn, that's a flex. I got acquired by Hormozzi or I'm backed by Hormozzi versus I'm backed by no, like the status that comes with it, that humans are naturally uh, attracted to is such an unlock for Hormozzi that now he's probably getting the, the best deals at the most favorable uh, deal structure. Exactly. Who, who are knocking on his door first. Like I, I can't understate how valuable that is uh, uh, for Hormozzi as the business person. The so, stamp, the stamp, um, the Hormozzi stamp is now worth more than the operational chops that he brings, which by the way, are, are good. <laughs> like the operational chops 100%. were good. That's what I mean by being dope is like, if I want to get to the point where if anyone in any vector in any medium attaches the Callaway brand to what they're doing, it increases the dopeness of it. That's, it's like a, it's like a universal donor of dope. That's what, that's what I want to become because I, I, I'm too reputation, man. Yeah, exactly. Reputation and trust, dude. But I'm curious, I, dude, I, I, mean, I want you think, to go through that same this. exercise. Think about this. If somebody went, again, we, we made this, uh, I made this point the other day. If somebody came to me and Casey Neistat and we both made videos on a product and we each got 5 million views, guess what? My 5 million views are going to be like, oh, that's kind of dope that like this this, it's just going to be like, oh, this random guy is, is trying to sell me this product. It's cool, but whatever. But it's like, oh, Casey is attaching his reputation to this product. Damn. Like there, there's just this certain elevation there. And so, um, you know, Gary Vee talks about it all the time too. He's like, companies are going to come to me. They want me to promote something. I'm going to charge a hundred X premium because I'm not charging based on a view or a CPM. I'm charging like, Hey, my reputation, my life's work is attached to this. So um, you know, like it, it just comes to, bro, brand is everything. That's always what I'm thinking about. And you never want to sacrifice trust to your brand for any short term, uh, you know, financial incentive if possible. And, and to close the loop on that, but I want to hear you go through the brand exercise as well, but to close the thought loop on that, I a thousand percent agree. Like reputation is the most important thing. And what I thought at the beginning was by getting a lot of views, I could increase my reputation, but that isn't true. You have to, and views maybe isn't even the thing at all, but like you have to make the stuff in the direction that you want your reputation to improve in. So like Brandino, who's a guy I love, I know you, you like him, Blank Studios, the content he was making was all about like building industrial uh, products, like physical products and like everything he was making, it was either about him doing it, showing him doing it the process of him doing it, the products themselves, it was all in the direction where he wanted to go, which is ultimately to right now he's selling products through blank studios, selling industrial home decor. So like what I thought before though, where I was wrong is 
any view, any view, any direction was giving me that reputation. But I actually don't think that's true because the people with the best reputations are building it in a certain direction. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. But I'm curious to get you, I want to hear you go through the brand exercise as well. Like, wh- like, what do you want when people hear your name? What do you want people to think? I think ultimately I want it to, to be attached to a story. Like, um, like I really resonate with people who, um, who are, you know, maybe late bloomers or who, who were counted out. Um, just because again, like I was a horrible, horrible student, like all my teachers were like, I remember one of my teachers literally told my mom, don't waste money on college. Like he's just a lost cause. And then I spent like eight years suffering with like PTSD, just like being in a dark place. And so like more than anything, I want to be able to, to succeed just to be that beacon of hope for other people. We're in the same position where it's like, yo, if he made it, I can make it kind of thing. So that, that's something that drives me. I think that's important to like my central message slash brand. Otherwise I think just, um, yeah, just this idea of being a tastemaker. So if like I'm talking about it or if I'm covering it, it's like, okay, well, that's legit kind of thing. I think just trust is paramount. And again, it's because I'm operating on a 10-year time period. Like I want to build a $100, billion, $100 million business, um, you know, more if possible. And like, so I'm just like working, like navigating my way towards that, like building these skill sets, building the network, building the reputation where I can make that happen. Um, so I, I, again, I think it's just... Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Like, again, this is a great, great thought exercise, something that I definitely want to start writing down. Um, but as I formulate my strategy come this year, I think it's important, but not utmost important because of what I talked about before, where it could be a tr- like where I want to be in 10 years. That's a process. I don't have to be that person this year. I don't have to stress myself out becoming that person this year because it is a process. And so um, good question that'll be in the in the back of my mind, but I'm not I'm also not going to let it uh, hinder any progress, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's, that is the, if you can take away nothing from this section or this podcast or really anything we do, it's that you don't have to be the person you want to become today. You don't have to be the person you want to become tomorrow. Like as long as you're taking a step forward as much as you can, some days you won't even take a step forward, but like, as long as you're just trying to move in that direction I think that's all you can really do. And then when you look backwards yes. 10 years from now, you'll be like, holy shit, there were a lot of dots that we that were connected. And that's like Bingo. something I wrote about to 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 close this point. I'm sure people want us to talk about other stuff. Some, something I wrote about uh, today in Blueprint was, or yeah, uh, whatever this week was, a big mistake I made was, basically I looked at the Mr. Beast, Logan Paul's, Emma Chamberlain. I looked at these people who had these really big product businesses. Cause like you're a product guy, I'm a product guy. I like thinking about business and products and like selling to customers. So I was like, wow, these businesses are printing money because they were creators. They have unfair advantages. So I was like, what I want to do is be a creator so that I can build product businesses. Yes, the thing, exactly. Which, exactly. which, which I think is, is fine to approach that way, but that's not how they approached it. All of those people approach the creator part as obsessive artists, creators. They didn't, when they started 10 years ago, there was no like creators can build physical products and sell for way more because of distribution. Like those models didn't exist. And because those didn't exist, it, it honestly like ignorance is bliss is what I said. It allowed them to focus 
so deeply on building that trust and reputation for years, like five to 10 years. Then it just so happened that the market caught up in the last five years that allowed Nelk Boys to launch the seltzer and Logan Paul to launch the drink to where those brands are worth billions of dollars. But what I overlooked and like really underestimated was that those five to 10 years in the trenches where all they were focused on is building trust. That's the reason why their brands are working. It's not some like savvy product knowledge or like business ability. And so I feel like we're only a year in. I tried to like shortcut the process of building that trust and reputation because I was so eager to get to the product piece when the reality is all the models that I was looking at the blueprints for, for the product stuff, they spent 10 years building that reputation without any expectation of building a product. And like the overlooking that is a huge mistake. And now I realize that, yo, it's going to take several more years for us to like really build that trust at a big enough scale that can support, you know, products at the, at those scales, I would say. hundred percent agreed. And if you're listening, the, the, this is the kind of live brainstorming that we hope is helpful because I think every creator out there, um, maybe creative entrepreneur, whatever it is you want to call it, will, will go through these thought processes. And so hearing them play out in real time, I think is really dope. And I, I don't know that any other podcast has content like this. So I think we're, we're carving out our own niche here. Um, speaking of product, let's go to the vision pro. Let's do it because this is really exciting to me because of the people that I, like, so my sister is one of the early, tr uh, testers. I think she's like under a heavy NDA. Oh, really? July. That's my sister's a writer. You, you could probably like connect the dots there. But, um, she said she was speechless. Like she's never experienced anything like this. Ooh. And then I've had two other people in my network that have also tried it. And again, like the way that they describe it is just like, it's, it's magical. And then I have writers that I follow on the internet. OM on Instagram is one who just, you know, he's been covering tech, I think for like 30 years plus, um, Scobalizer, Robert Scoble is another one covering tech for 40 years. Plus they're just like, they're, it, it's such a magical experience. There's never been anything like it. And so I'm really excited for it. I want to get your thoughts, but I'm leaning towards copying pre-ordering on the 19th. It's $3,600. It's, it's, it's absurdly, price and that's just entry level like who knows how high it's going to go the reason i'm leaning towards copying is twofold a as a creator i think it's going to make for great content um that that'll elevate me i think i you know i can do an unboxing piece first impression piece full review youtube instagram etc now that's not too too special because every other tech creator is probably going to get it and so it's not like uh anything you know like it's not a crazy moat there but then the other piece to it is like i want to I want to see if there are any arbitrage opportunities as a, as a builder, as a developer, are there any apps here? Are there any ideas, maybe a, a company or product idea that can come to me? And then B as a creator, is this a new format that we can um, be early on? Can I have a content bank? I have a Canon R5 uh, VR lens. Is this some, is, is this an arena I can play in that will, that will yield some great arbitrage opportunities. And so that's why I'm leaning towards copying as a consumer, if I was just copying as a consumer, I don't think the $3,600 price tag is worth it. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. If it feels rich, like it feels, feels pretty pricey. I'm going to get it mostly because a lot, a lot of what you said, but mostly because this is the first, uh, consumer hardware shift where I have been fully locked in to like entrepreneurial mode where like every other one I'd say, so iPhone was 2008. I was a freshman in college too, too young to really appreciate it. 
and, he, and even though like it took a few years for it to get ramped up, like I was still way too young to be able to really attack it. Uh, cloud, I think, you know, is B2B. So like that wasn't a big, and that's not a hardware shift, but like the watch, the tablet, the MacBook, these, these are all like small iterative improvements. Whereas this is like, this is the white whale of what could be the future of computing. So because of that, I think what you're saying is hundred percent right, which is like, not only will there be new apps, but there will be new buckets and ways apps are built and thought through like the entire ecosystem, the way people interact, there's going to be a whole new ad platform. There's going to be a whole new social media experience. There's like everything, you know, will completely change based on either this device or like in this direction, maybe it's not this version, but because of that, I think it would be like, if you're in this business at all, like content for sure. But like, even if you're in the creativity business to not run at this new platform shift, I feel like is doing yourself a disservice. Now that's, that's to run in this direction. Is this product the one to like spend 3,600 on? It's tough. I, I think being, being early to stuff rewards you. Like we were both early to AI content. It rewarded us significantly. And this, I have a gut feeling that this is going to be the same. But I don't think it's going to be super easy to use it in ways that we would think to use it today, right? So like maybe there's not even a screen record ability or like if you screen record and the footage comes out and it's like shows up on the normal phone app, it doesn't look good, right? There's going to be like kinks, but all that, all that rambling to say, I think I'm going to get it. But if I were a normal user, I'd probably wait until the like SE version comes out that's like 1500 bucks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is is such a winning format. I think it's going to be like 27, 2027. If I had to predict, um, I think this will go out there. It may sell out. It may not. But even if it sells out, it's 500,000 units. The media is going to run with. Um, the, I, I don't think the experiences that it comes equipped with are going to be all that compelling. The media is going to run with it's a flop, this and that. But I think by uh, version two, three, four, it's going to be a huge hit. And where I see all of this going this is going to iterate to the point where the form factor and the ergonomics are as easy as putting on a pair of uh, glasses. And one day, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be like 2027-ish. There's going to be a Pokemon Go style experience. But imagine like an always-on Pokemon Go that sort of just lives in the background as you go about your day. Um, and I think that's when these are going to hit critical mass and everybody rushes to buy it. I'm looking at these. There are some experiences that and I can point to specific use cases that I think make it a little bit more digestible. But A, think about you and I could box Charlotte to San Diego, but the bandwidth and the feedback is immediate. So there's no lag. I think that's incredible. Being able to play tennis, cross country, basketball, these kind of things. I think for, for sporting exercise and fitness, it's, it's, it's going to be so it's much be fun, so a format that has never existed. It's going to be so sick. I think um, entertainment wise, like the people that have put it on, they're like, yo, this is like watching an IMAX. This is incredible for, for, uh, media consumption. I think that's really interesting as well. I can't wait to put it on and watch like a, an inception or an interstellar. Um, but the thing that really comes to mind, especially as all of these technologies are converging, imagine reliving experiences from the past. I don't know the Boston tea party, the civil war, um, it's kind of grim, but there was an early example of this on, on the Quest, like one that I had. There was like this 9-11 simulator where you're like in the building and like watch the plane. And it was like so pixelated and shitty that it like ne didn't necessarily sell it. 
but it was still such a profound, like I remember that, I was like, holy shit. Like it was, it was very surreal and immersive. I can't imagine now with like 4K um, on each lens, like how realistic the sound immersion, everything, getting to relive some of these historical moments. I think that's unreal. And then the last point that I'll make is, you saw that clip that went viral at the concert where everybody had their phones up and like that's the dystopian sort of black mirror world that we live in now. I'm still a big believer that um, the best memories are not recorded. The best memories are lived. But now it's like we're coming to this format where we can quote unquote relive memories. We're still not going to get all the sense, uh, sensory feedback, but maybe with haptic hardware in the future, we're going to get some of it. But I've been recording a lot of my VR devices, like my daughter's early years. I think it's going to be surreal in five, 10 years on the vision pro six or whatever, reliving those, like that's going to bring a tear to my eye. Like it's going to be that, uh, immersive and impactful. So there's a lot of new, again, I don't know where it all goes. Even as a creator, is it, is YouTube still the killer app? And now we just have like VR enabled YouTubes that I, I, I don't, I don't know where it all goes, but I want to tinker. I think there's something there. There's something there for sure. What I have one like thought around how I think markets will evolve. And then one question the thought is basically the way live experiences work today is it's very binary. So like take Coachella, you're either at Coachella physically or you're not. And I guess the, the, the medium today that they bridged is like, we'll stream it on YouTube, but like streaming it on YouTube is you are for sure in your couch on your couch, watching through a laptop screen and, or on a TV. And it's like fun to watch, but like, you're very much not there. What this does is and I think the quest could have done it, but I think the quality to this point wasn't good enough. And like also the, the input camera quality wasn't good enough. But like what this does is it puts an experience in between being there and watching on TV where you can kind of be there. Like you can pseudo be there. You're not, your feet aren't on the ground. You're not getting like the, you're not feeling the vibration cause there's no haptics, but like you are much closer to being there than you were before. And what, what's interesting to me around how markets will evolve is like, is the way live events will work is maybe the ticket to be there in person is 1500 bucks, but to buy the, it's like the stream, but like not a stream or whatever the VR equivalent is. You pay 20 bucks and you can like be there, but you're on your couch and the YouTube is still free because it's like more static and 2D. And I think what's going to happen is live events are going to have this new revenue stream where it's this like hybrid kind of be there without being there thing where millions of people from around the world can have courtside tickets to the NBA game. And it's not going to be the same. You're not going to get sweat on you from the players. You're not going to be able to dap them up as they run back after hitting a three, but like you're going to be much closer to feeling like you're there. And I think that's going to be a really interesting development because will less people go to in-person events or will more people go to in-person events because now more people will have access to like what it could be like if they were there. It's going to be a really interesting dynamic. What, what do you think about that before I, before I go with the other question? Maybe even an, an improvement in some sorts because now I'm looking with like neural radiance field and some of this other tech. I'm, I'm just, it's very obvious to where things will be in five years where maybe we'll watch an NBA game and we're not just sitting courtside on these devices. We can actually go anywhere in the arena. You know, obviously there'll be some privacy issues, so maybe they'll block out. But like, we, I can go from court to court. I can be in the court, like interweaving through the players as they're playing live in the finals. These these kind of things are going to be made possible in the next five years. And um, yeah, as far as entertainment and media consumption, I'm just really excited to see uh, where it all goes. The entire Even for stack. something like, go imagine ahead. being an educator. Imagine an online course or something like that, where instead of like having a Skype call, you're actually sitting in a room with everybody 
and they're getting context with the body language. So much unlocks. I think this is why Meta rebranded and they're putting so, you know, losing $11 billion annually in their reality labs. I think these companies understand where it's going to be in five years and they're all racing to be at the forefront for when it sort of cracks that critical mass. Again, I think we're a few years out, but this is, this is a big step forward with the vision pro. The crazy thing is like my, because it's such a wild, uh, frame breaker like the 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 way you'd interact with software and experiences is so different my brain doesn't even go to like some of the most obvious things right so where i think of entertainment like how am i going to watch uh what, what's the word skeuomorphic i'm like how am i going to watch a basketball game is, are they just going to show me the same feed but it's going to dude like eventually you're going to be able to edit videos. Well, I don't even know if you'll need to edit videos, but you'll be able to edit videos on a screen in the air. Like you won't even need to touch the keys. Like you could just like point to stuff and drag it around. Like that is a, and maybe this, such a good point, this vision pro version one, I feel like is not going to have that. Cause that it's going to require the software developers to catch up to the hardware. And like, I think there's going to be a, probably a year or two lag, but like every single thing we do that is, annoying to do because we're constrained by our hands and by the physical products in front of us will be completely changed. So like another, another in the, in the, I guess the difference is my mind's all over the place, but like a difference is there's two steps. One step is wearing the goggles in your home and changing experiences. So like, Oh, I can go to, I can go to the pyramids at Giza, but I'm in my home or I can edit my video, but I'm in my home. Step two is what you were saying, which maybe by 2027, You'll be actually able to go to Giza, but then when you watch the, you look at the pyramids through the glasses, you'll be able to see what it was like when Egyptians 2000 years ago were building them or like, like it'll be a completely different elevated. So, but I, I still think that first step of being able to do dope shit from your home that you couldn't do before. It's just to me as like a curious person, it's just worth, I don't know if there's a better way to spend $3,600 if, if it can live up at all, like in any of the ways. Well, that productivity point is great. Great point, man. And the reason why is, I mean, I have a buddy already, Smalls, who who travels a lot in Europe and he works uh, for a company stateside. And he actually has the MetaQuest Pro and he does just that. Um, I think Apple's, the the richness of the quality of of the video, I think will we'll take it a step fur further because I, I, like these monitors that I have here aren't going to be replaced by a headset until like the pixelation is like perfect quality as if- No you know, lag. Th there, there's just, it's- you're right. It's probably a year or two off, but it will but get that there. can't be understated. That productivity component of the vision pro and these next generation headsets, I think are huge to the point where you're not going to need a bunch of screen. Now, the only thing that they have to crack is the fatigue because there, yeah, yeah. there is still like eye strain and there's still fatigue. I've heard early reports too, of the vision pro just being so heavy that like after half an hour, you just want to take it off. It's like a slog on, on your head. And so the ergonomics are going to have to be cracked. Um, I think they will in due time or at least enough to the point where it's just like staring at a screen. It's not going to be perfect, but it, you know, you may have three or four hours before you're annoyed enough to take the thing off. I don't know, but it's all exciting. It's very exciting to track. And as a, as a creator, sort of like adjacent to the tech space, I'm going to be following it really closely. The other thing too, that like, this is such a small thing, but I feel like would affect almost everyone. If you only have one headset, like if I'm sitting on the couch and my wife doesn't have one and I have one, we're completely disconnected, right? I'm immersed in something and she is in real life, which like sucks because I would like, I, if she had one and I had one, I feel like we could be, I could be in there for four hours with her doing stuff and it'd be so fun. But like, because you're removing yourself from society and the rest of society won't have one, it'll create this like 
it's, it almost becomes like a video game where it's like, I'm going to sit down and play video games instead of I'm going to be in this world with everyone that I care about. So that's why I'm also like really interested in it scaling to the point where all my friends from home can have one, all their spouses can have one. We can just like, you know, maybe, and this sounds like, it sounds really weird to say, but like maybe Friday at 7 PM, instead of going out to eat and getting drunk, like is what, what we all used to do. We just go out to eat. We come home everyone in their respective cities put the thing on and we like co meet up in this like virtual space. That's so sick to me. Like maybe so, not everyone thinks that's really cool. Cause they think it's like a little weird, but that's really cool to me, but not everyone's going to have this. Cause it's like such a limited run initially. No, the social component is huge. I, I play Warzone um, all the time just to, just to stay connected with my boys. Like I've never booted up. A, I don't, I think it's probably been like years and years and years since I've actually booted up a game, a video game to play solo. I will only log on if like four other of my boys are on just to like catch up. And that's kind of how we do it. So you're right. Like the vision pro, if everybody owned one, it could replace that. Again, I'm super excited about the fitness opportunities in the future. Imagine, imagine like a haptic suit, omnidirectional treadmill. Imagine now you're playing a shooting game, but you're also burning 1200 calories doing it yeah, and having yeah. even more fun. I'm, the, those kind of opportunities, boxing's like a big one where I, uh, I play on the, on the quest too. like this boxing game called thrill of the fight. It's, dope bro like i'm i'm in there after three rounds i'm drenched in sweat i'm like holy shit and i can only imagine in like the you know i'm playing against a computer because the feedback the the bandwidth there's there's not enough to have it real time but eventually there's going to be you know you wear a feedback suit and you're going to be it's going to be real time there's not going to be any lag at all where you're like going to be able to spar imagine like how, how much would you spend to go to go box against like Shakur Stevenson or something, you know, and it's like actually him, you know, holy fuck. It's going to get crazy. And I'm just excited to see where it all goes. Um, Again, from a consumer entertainment standpoint, but there's also productivity, there's education, so many different buckets. And so, yeah, I mean, this conversation here is convincing me. We're buying. More so to get it. Yeah, than to not to get it, just to... Just to explore the capabilities. Well, if you're hearing this, because we, we know a lot of people at Apple listen, if you're listening, we'll, we're happy to buy it. But also, if you want to send a couple to the boys, we'll, uh, we we could put some crazy content together. So That'd be amazing. We'll just leave I know that. Apple's notoriously difficult. I think even like some, like, uh, you know, Marques Brownlee will get it, but I think they only really, yeah, they're notoriously difficult. Uh was an Apple developer for, for eight years, and I'd always like, put in regret in that. Yeah. One other they thing, they know like people are going to buy it anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're about we're buying it. One other thing to say, which which is why it's so exciting from a business perspective, which I think I think is fairly understood, but like we'll say it anyway. Every like when you go into business today in the physical world, and you're a newbie beginner and you've never done it before, it does kind of seem like the deck is slanted against you a little bit because you don't have the know-how real estate is a physically constrained asset. People own it. They're like savants at understanding how, you know, like let's take a clothing store. For example, if you're in New York city and you wanted to open a clothing store, you don't know anything about real estate. You don't know anything about like construction of the clothing store. You don't know anything about merchandising. There's so many things you don't know, right? A lot of things to trip over. And that's why sometimes it takes 10 to 15 years before you can really become a successful entrepreneur in the physical world. What's, what's most compelling to me, number one, is every industry is going to be rebuilt from scratch in the virtual world, and the operators of the physical businesses may or may not be curious enough or have the technical chops to figure that out, meaning it's completely open. So like, what, what does the clothing store in VR look like? What does the 
What does the TV experience, what does the ad stack, what does the like trying out physical product, like every single thing that you take for granted that like Best Buy and Barnes and Noble and all of these like huge brands have figured out have to be recreated and rethought from scratch. There will be a lot of consulting firms that educate those big tech or those big companies on how they can do it. But to me, that's where there's a ton of opportunity if you're early to figure out those paradigms. So, so that's why like, I don't want to get too bogged down with committing the next 10 years, raising VC money to building some physical widget when it's very possible that two years from now, what I really want to do is build the future of clothing stores and like sell those to my favorite brands. Right. So that's, that's just, that's the thing that really excites me most. Yeah. And that's kind of long-term thinking that goes back to our earlier conversation. It's like, you keep building that audience that you keep um, stacking those trust coins as we've referred to in previous episodes. And then in three years, all of a sudden, that's when that nine figure idea hits and you're prepared to take advantage of it because of the work that you've been doing for these three years and building that distribution and trust engine. Um, yeah, I think that's well said. I'm, I'm really excited to, again, as a designer, it's not, you know, so far we've been building 2D interfaces. Now what is sort of this fluid 3D ever-changing omnipresent interface look like? Um, again, 2027, that's where my eye is at. I think 24 you know, 24 is the prototype million, phase. American households may own a VR set. Only 500,000 households are going to own one of these. Um, it's a $3,600 developer, developer kit. That's how I see it. 25, 26, there may be an uptick, but there will eventually be that Pokemon Go craze that takes the world by complete storm um, that heavily accelerates the adoption curve for these headsets. I think it'll probably be around 2027. And by that time, the ergonomics and the form factors are going to be a lot more appealing. And so I'm bullish, man. Sec you know, end of, uh, end of this decade, I think these are, these are going to go nuts. And so it's probably worthwhile to, to get on it early and try to figure out uh, what can be built. By that time, we'll have so many trust coins. It's going to be like Gringotts over here. I feel like we'll, so. we'll be able to do something. <laughs> do you want to talk about Zach, Zach Pograb a little bit more? I, I can give you some context too that I think... Yeah. is interesting around how he got to where he's at. So his backstory, uh, and I don't know everything. So if Zach, when you listen to this, I'm sorry if I misquote something, but basically he played sports in college, got hurt, couldn't, couldn't keep, maybe he wanted to go pro. Like a story you hear a lot is like these really great athletes that get hurt. They, they got to figure out where to channel that energy. So like you mentioned, he started out as behavior hack, which is kind of interesting because I feel like obsession is in the DNA of the word behavior hack. So like that probably was brewing this whole time. But what's what's most interesting to me is I think he bought or owned a couple of those like photo booth things you see at weddings where like it's like that photo booth machine. And that's what gave him the cash flow to be able to uh, kind of like run at the content as his like I don't know which he treated as his primary and his side thing, but like he was able to keep going on the content and like hire video editors and like figure that out because of the cash flow he had on those photo booth machines, which is kind of cool. And so he's been posting on Instagram. If you scroll back on his timeline, he's been posting for like four or five years. And from the very beginning, it was like this black and white kind of like productivity mindset hack type content. Like he's been on this for a long time. And I heard him in a podcast talk about how he started was nothing for a while, had like a spike up to 250,000 followers, nothing for a while, whatever. He's kind of like stair-stepping. He was the one that pioneered him and Hunter Weiss, although Hunter Weiss was doing it for Dan Coe 
at the, around the same time, they pioneered that black and white animation style. And I think he started doing that in 2022, like right around the same time you and I started making content at all. So it's been like a year, a year plus. And he basically was the voiceover or he would take f famous audio and make these like 10 to 15 second animated reels and they went crazy. And that's how he grew from whatever, 300K to 1.5 million. But what I find most interesting is he was always talking about this like behavior mindset hack type stuff, but the, the idea of obsession and him obsessing over obsession, he hadn't really publicly talked about for a while, like for a while. I think he just started talking about that maybe 12 months ago. And the way he, the way he just went all in around this one idea and everything he says has the word obsession in it or talks about obsession. His bio has obsession. He is now the obsession guy. When, like you said, when you think of his name, you think of obsession. It's just, it's so crazy how well he has glued obsession to himself. It's, it's just, it's, it's one of the best self branding examples I've ever seen. And what I wanted to talk about was that he did that, but he didn't really know what the business model was. He like, he, not only did he not have it dialed, I don't even think he knew what it could be. Like he had some ideas like whatever, we could make clothing around this or whatever, but he tried various things. Agency tried some like physical product collabs, tried some brand deals, whatever. But what I find most interesting is that like two days ago, he launched what he's calling a run cult in New York. And so he was into fitness, never really into running, starts talking about obsession, gets linked up with Hunter Weiss, who's a big runner, and Casey Neistat's a big runner. He's, Zach starts running, gets obsessed with running. Everything he's posting is like, I'm going to the dark place, like I'm running super fast, like I'm, I'm a runner. And then now he's launching Run Cult, which is like this obsessed group of runners running in at dawn in New York City. And I just find like, who knows if run cult's going to become his legacy or just like a side thing he does, or like could be his main revenue source for his life. I don't know, but it's just so interesting that f if you zoom back four years back, there's no way that guy who was mostly lifting, never running, never really talking about obsession would have projected forward. Oh, the thing I'm going to be most excited about in my life is like hosting this run cult in New York city and like being the obsession guy. So it's just an, a testament to what you were saying before is like, you really never know where you're going to end up. You just have to kind of like keep going in that direction. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, but I think Zach is a superstar in the making and we're watching it unfold. Like, I think he's been doing it brilliantly. I think the fact that he's not like rushing to monetize is a special sauce. Zach could have just done course, um, writing course, how to grow an Instagram course. Look at me. I grew 1.5 million that are cashed in, but then like that, that's just kind of who he is forever. But instead, he's opting for this long-term branding play. This is uh, what we talked about earlier with Ali Abdal finding like, okay, productivity. This is golden. I'm going to be the productivity guy. Ryan Holiday with stoicism. Zach Pagarab with obsession. And so we're going to see in the next five years, I don't even think he needs to rush into it, man. Just continue to build this brand, this message, this voice, this movement. And then he can do one of a million things. You know, he could take this in so many different places. But I think for him... I mean, I, I can't speak for him because there's a million things that he can do, but he could kind of follow that uh, thought leadership thing like uh, Alex Hormozzi, where he's going to be putting out, I, I think if he puts out a book in two or three years, it's going to be like a bestseller, da, da, da. He can be part of this thought leadership sort of like cabal on Instagram with like Ed Milet and all these guys. And all of a sudden he's going to uh, conferences and getting paid $100,000 to speak. And then he builds businesses and a, an entire empire on top of this movement. 
that he's building. And so I love witnessing it in action. Another thing that he did brilliantly was, you know, back in 2015, I had an Instagram page. It was a quotes page and it was similar actually to him. I had like the handwritten, uh, I had, uh, you know, Sarah fonts, um, hand drawn. You're always ahead of all the trends. And and it got to like two and two and a half million. And then what I ended up doing is I sold it for a nice bag. Um, but because I was like, I didn't know where to take it. I was like, this is just a quotes page. What he did is he took the quotes and then he turned it into brilliant writing. And so like it was a step further, but then it was still just like a dope writing quotes page. But the most brilliant thing that Zach did is he interweaved his own personal brand, his own message, his own journey as part of it. And he did it gradually to the point where I've seen a lot of people, again, they, they ride the wave of a new format or of a new whatever. They build a big Instagram sort of themed page, but then it always stays at it. It doesn't become a personal brand, which is a million times more impactful. So the fact that now it went from behavior hack, this quote page to like Zach Pogrub, this sick ass entrepreneur building a movement, kudos to him. That is so, so hard to do. And you never see that. You never see that because people usually either try to rush it or they just don't have the talent to do it. Um, and so I love witnessing his journey. Again, that's a star in the making. In five years, I think he's like one of the guys, you know, he's like a David Goggins or, or whoever, whoever he, he wants to be. He is. He, I think he's a star in the making too. I was going to ask like, if you, so we looked at his, basically his whole journey, let's say that was five years, but he really started the obsession thing like six to 12 months ago, where now, like we said, you say obsession, you'd say his name, the word I think is obsession. Like I just do, I, th- I picture the dark flag and I think obsession. And so I'm curious, like from your perspective, yes, brilliant. What did he, in that obsession phase, what did he do better than most other people do who are trying to pr- build a personal brand around something? I say this in a good way. He never shut up. He never, sh- like it was just nonstop. Every time I open up Twitter, there's like 52, like I think the guy just output all day long every day. And that's what it takes. Just very mar- basic marketing uh, 101, repetition, yeah. repetition, repetition. Every time I open up my feed, I'd see a black flag, the word obsession, something. And uh, that's what it takes. You know, you got to be, you, uh, it goes back to the quantity versus quality. Um, there is an element of quantity that you have to pursue. And uh, that guy, I mean, I'd have to go through his thing. It seems maybe just he's hitting my algorithm because I've been consuming a lot more of his content, but it seems like he just tweets all day long, posts all day long. And that's what it takes, yeah. you know? Well, that's what I was going to say is I feel like most of the time when I see somebody who's posting that much about one thing, it becomes cringy to me. Like I, I start to get like, I'm like, all right, damn, like enough. And then I unfollow them. But for some reason, whether it's the fact that I, I feel like I'm kind of obsessed and like would be one of the people that follow his like cult if he had one. And so like, it's more relatable to me or I just don't, it's either that or I don't feel like he's doing it in a cringy way. But for whatever reason, I see him talk about obsession 10 times a day and it doesn't turn me off. Like it's, it's been like a year and it doesn't turn me off. So I, I, I really, and maybe it's cause he's a great writer. It's dope. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the writing. Bro. I think it's the writing. Masterful. Cause I see a lot of people who are, yeah. Picture anyone who's like known for a topic. And I bet I've been, I, I thought they were cringy at some point. Right. And I like unfollowed them. Right? It was just like too much. But for, for, for some reason his is not overwhelming. It's like the perfect dose of, Cause not, I guess not every single tweet has the word obsession in it. Not every single post has the word obsession, but it's always at the root. And I don't mind it because, you know, I'm, I kind of feel like a, a member of that group. You know what it is, man? I think it's just the, the perfect marriage that we talked about earlier. Like it's, it's not quality over quantity. It's not quantity over quality. It's quality and quantity. And if you can crack those two, like he's been able to do that, he's been able to, uh, 
you know, the union of quality and quantity. And so very, very, very few creators are able to do that. Cause I agree, man. Um, yeah. So if it was like anybody else, any other word that appeared on my feed that much, I'd probably get annoyed. But for me, I'm double tapping everything. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating it. Just quality shit. Exactly. And so I respect the other it. thing too, is like from a design perspective, I think it's really easy to try to sit at home and try to like engineer a signature style. I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone to a designer being like, I want a signature style for this. Can't never works. But for what, like he naturally, the black and white on the video, the like that crazy serif, like goth kind of font, the like, like you said, the mid journey images of the people that are almost like wispy ghosts, like not fully there. Like everything is coming together in this perfect visual package. And I bet if he was on here, we should, we should get him on here, but I bet he would say, these are just things that naturally I tried over time. I did not, I was not able to like think of this package at one point in time and build against it, which is what most people, including me try to do. So it's just interesting how these like visual brands come together on accident almost, you know, it's reps, man. It's, um, you know, what, what's that, uh, what's that quote? Luck is opportunity meets preparation. It's the more surface area, the more you put out there, the higher the surface area of your brand, the more opportunities, the more touch points. And I think with him, we, you just covered his five-year journey. That's how long it takes. I think if Zach was starting today, he could never get to this point overnight. It just, it just takes those reps that practice putting shit out there. Um, and I can't preach that enough for any new creator. I'm, shit, I'm talking to myself too. It's like, just try everything, try everything. Um, don't think too hard about pigeonholing yourself into like one brand identity or who you want to be. I think, um, that's a trap that maybe we've fallen into cause it's, um, it's a process and it doesn't happen overnight. So I think Zach is a great, great prototype. Um, you know, it's probably spent two or three years without anything hitting, found a format, wrote a wave, was able to brilliantly transition from that wave into brand. And, um, I, I again, I think the next five years for him now he's going to go into build mode and he's dude. I just, again, like I, if there was a stock market for creators, I'd be buying as much uh, stock of his as possible. I want to ask you a question. Are there any other creators that come to mind that you think fall into that same category where you're like, yo, if I could buy their IPO, I would go all in. on. There are some that I feel like are even earlier than Zach. So it's like less, um, less proof. Like he has five years of proof, less refined, yeah, less refined but, yeah. but that I'm pretty hype on. I think Callum Johnson, if he doesn't quit is going to be a huge force in like interview conversational podcasting. I think he just, he has the sauce. He just doesn't have, he has, doesn't have the time yet in to like have it, have had it rip huge. Although he's starting to, he's one, there's this guy, Billy Oppenheimer, who is the research assistant for what a name. Yeah. Great name. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's the research assistant for, uh, Ryan holiday actually. And, uh, he's got this really interesting newsletter called, uh, it's like six at six. It's six at six on six or something where he like gives six bullets at 6 PM on Sunday or something. And, uh, he, this guy's just, I don't know. You've probably seen tweets he's put together where Ryan holiday, what makes him amazing is he, he packages things from different sources together thematically in a really unique way. Well, he taught that system to Billy. And I think Billy is just as good at him at doing it, just as good as him at doing it. And so he just, he's so amazing at putting these kind of connecting these random dots together. Um, again, I don't know like where that manifests for him. He's early on the journey, but he's someone where I'm like, this dude's got sauce for sure. Um, I'm trying to think who else from a creator perspective. Cause there's a lot of people that I see that are like 
I'm like, damn, that's dope. Like in the moment, but I don't see it enough consistently where I'm in my head. I can, I can pull them right now and be like, this person's a guaranteed bet all my money on them. What do you, what do you think? Any names come to mind? I can look through my Instagram while you talk. Um, so there, there's actually one name that come to mind. that's a little bit unconventional, but I'm writing a newsletter on, on the importance of sort of format. Let me get to her in a second, but the, the, the gentleman, my boy that I talked to from D.C. earlier, Scott Parker with uh, 30 Businesses, he's like, right now he's searching for a soul cycle. So in business, if you're able to, to uh, again, find this unique format, um, like a soul cycle that's never been done, which is like the union of several different things packaged up really, really nicely, it's like that's where you find gold. It's the same in business as in content. It's like if you find a unique format that is not only a hybrid of what you're good at, what you love doing, I mean, so where I'm going with this is I've been sourcing a lot of examples for this newsletter entry. One, her name is uh, Kayla Sullivan, not the creator that would usually be sort of in like our ecosystem uh, that we'd be tracking It's more of almost like a family mommy blogger in a way, but the way that she's done it is brilliant. So she was a, a newscaster for some like local TV channel. And then she just did a fun reel where she's holding like a baby toy and she's doing a newscast outside of her daughter's bedroom. It's like, <laughs> uh, Little girl has been grounded more like it was it was like news coverage, but family style yeah, yeah. and it went crazy viral. She leaned into that. And now if you go to her page, it's like everything is um, it's this brilliant, again, unique format that's unique to her. And so she's always holding some random item. I'm looking at her page now. She's either holding like a key or like a lipstick or a water bottle. What That's part of her shtick. And by the way, she's a great reporter. So she has that reporter voice. You know, it's like reporting live from Illinois. Yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. talk. And it's all like just fun, whimsical family stuff. And her views are crazy. Now, the brand deals that are coming in for her are obviously like unbelievably lucrative. And, and then that, you know, that's part of her story. And she's always thinking her audience, I can't, I can't believe I was a newscaster. Now I'm able to do this for a living, being able to support my family, doing super well. And again, like that's a testament uh, to how important the format is. And if you're able to crack a unique format, that is this, that is this, um, you know, cocktail of all of your different skills and interests, graph, and th th there's something gold there. And so when it, when you ask me, like, are there any other creators that I have my eyes on? It's like ones that are able to crack and pioneer a very, very unique format. And uh, so Kayla Sullivan's an example, and I'm, I'm sourcing like 10 other examples for this, for this newsletter. So one that comes to mind, I'm, al I'm always eyeing the format. one that comes to mind that you should include. The problem is though, like, I don't know her name or what she looks like, but the, have you seen the girl on TikTok that does the, like, how many miles are you running today? And it's like some, and then she's like, well, if you run five, I'll buy you a pair of Nikes. And then it's her running through New York with, Ooh, I'll have to find that. Just search like running, running that, girl in New is. York. The problem is though, she, her face isn't usually on. I mean, maybe her face is on it sometimes, but it's not only her. And also like in TikTok and on these short form channels, you just don't link to the name. You link to the idea and the format. Yeah. You just don't link to the yeah, name. Yeah. But well, I mean, uh, she's really good. Gradual, you know, like Zach Pogrub. That, that's gradual. Like, uh, what, you know, the guy who, who does, um, hey, nice car. Uh, oh, yeah, do for yeah Daniel Mack. Like he was able to transition that net Daniel Mack. Now he's a name. Yeah. You know, but so for, for, look up that girl. And so, dude, I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, if you, if you come across her, let me know. Cause uh, I want to write about her as well, but that's what I'm thinking about now too. And also just personally as a creator, it's like, Hey, what format can I like kind of crack? That's unique to me. Um, you, I mean, you basically kind of have that with what we're talking about that, that, uh, marketing business breakdown. I think that's super dope. Just, yeah, man, unique format. So when I see a creator, it's, it's very, very hard to break now in today's climate, yeah. you know, 
everything's been done. Everybody's doing the same shit. Everybody's just rehashing everybody else's ideas. How can you break through with a new format? That's all, always what I'm thinking. And too, about. too many examples of that are like Carl, uh, Carl Shakur with the snap, the snap thing at the beginning of his video. And that's not like a full format to his video, but that little thing, I, I like became known for, I knew him because of that. Or like that other guy that right, right. I think you replicated in one of your videos. I haven't seen his stuff in a while, but I think his name's Ethan potentially. He had that really unique, like, Oh, Ethan. Yeah. Ethan yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he stopped posting or yeah. I'm just stopped getting his, his videos, but he had that like really unique kind of like vintage look where he'd be like super monotone. It's the same thing, right? It's like, you know, people because of the format. So I, th I think it's a good, I have one more example to share. This guy I think is going to be huge. If and he's so early, Hunter Weiss found this guy when he was had 600 followers, and I just got randomly served an algo uh, in the algo. His handle is buy maximize. So I don't know if his name is Max or he's going for this like maximize thing, but it's this green circle with this white kind of like asterisk symbol. This guy is is a he's a kid. I don't know where he lives. He has just this amazing taste for what I'll say is like cross. Uh, cross format media. So the video I saw was it was a clip of Jeff Bezos on a laptop or on like a TV playing. And then after a couple, um, look, I found his page. Yeah, now. just watch, just if you go down this guy's videos, and you can tell because he's raw. Like it's not that they're perfect, and it's not that he is talking to the camera in a way where you're like this individual has like the most amazing things to say. His taste is immaculate immaculate like he's just such a good storyteller for and i was dming with him just like yo man how'd you learn to edit like this is so crazy and uh yeah i think that guy's gonna be huge dope i followed him i'll uh i'll dive into him after this uh this pod dope. all right any anything else you want to cover you said you had one question one fan question you want to hit that or do we already cover it yeah let's do that and then we can wrap um let me let me pull it up this was from uh truman Mylan which is he is a dope videographer he's got his own uh, video production company i've known him now for for a while I met him in new york years back man um but he asked the question sorry i'm just pulling it up so he says he'd love to hear our opinions and thoughts on how would you go about creating content if you were at the beginning of your career meaning um so you uh, you, you'd built up a financial pool that allowed you to quit your job and kind of like take your time. I, you know, have like enough money in the bank where I can kind of do this for three, four years, uh, needed without really like having to rely on making money. So basically what he's saying is like, you know, you're able to build and create a lot of things outside of the public eye, you reach success, then you went all in on content. And I think that's a great approach because it puts you in a position where you could postpone the ask of your audience and really build long-term trust as we always think about. Um, so he says, if you were 25 today, would you still go that approach or would you do a more build in public approach? What are your thoughts on that? So let me rephrase the question. If you're starting today from scratch, you have no previous experience, nothing. Um, do you spend your time outside of the public eye, not making content, trying to build something and then talk about that after the fact, or do you build in public and document the entire process of the journey from sort of like, what, what do you think is, uh, is, is more compelling? Do you have any skills? At this point, or you like you have no skills on like the content or um, the product at this point? Yeah, I mean, good question, right? There's a lot of variables there. Let's let's just say you're you're starting from scratch. You just graduated high school. You you don't know what you're good at. I, I don't yeah. know. Like, what um, would you recommend going into content and documenting your journey, or would you like yo go live your life, go get some experience, go do some stuff, build some stuff, and then come back and make content? 
Yeah. I mean, this, this is the best question because I feel like everyone's in this boat of like, where do I start? The thing is, if you have no money, it's almost impossible to build something, especially if it's like a physical product. But even if it's not physical, you're going to have to, if you don't have any skills, you're going to have to hire someone with skills or partner with someone with skills who can actually build the thing. So the problem with starting with the product is it's going to take capital in some way. Cause like, let's say clothes, let's say you don't know how to make clothes. You're going to have to buy the raw fabric. Even if you found a factory that would do it for you for free, you're gonna have to buy the raw fabric You're gonna have to buy inventory. So like, that's the problem. But let's assume you have like a little bit of money where you don't have enough money to go forever, but like you have a little bit of money where you could pay for the product if you wanted to build first. Hmm. This, this is a great. So my thing is I've seen a, a decent amount of examples of people build the business and just make content about the business, documenting the process, but almost all of them were good at making content already. So like they weren't a zero out of 10 skill level at the content. And, and then, you know, let's say, let's say there's a guy, Zach Kravitz, I think his name is, he, he always starts his videos like, Hey, my name's Zach. I'm building a bag brand and he's on TikTok, and he's, he has this cool, like dark moody aesthetic where he's, he shows himself like trying to build these like high quality bags. So for someone like him from the outside, he's definitely made content before. I don't think he was just starting at zero because he has like the ability to cut well and like story tell well, but he started trying to make these bags from scratch and then documented his journey. I like that, but he had content experience. If you don't have content experience, I think it's kind of helpful to start on the content side because no matter what you build, you're going to have to tell a story about it to get someone to buy it. You're going to have to do that no matter what business you start. And the best way to learn storytelling is to make content. So if you have, I get like the question's good because if you start with content, you won't have a product to make content about, but, I, but that's what I did. I just started making content about like stuff I found interesting online, just like stories. Like I was just repackaging other information. So I think I would long, long answer short. I think I would start with the content, but you can't be afraid then if you get the content working to pivot away and then start launching the physical product. I'm curious what you, what you'd say. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of variables. So the questions you asked before, okay, do you have any skills? Do you, you know, so many variables here are, are, you know, if you're 18, are you able to like live in your parents' house for a year, stack up a little bit of money while you do? I mean, that, you know, it depends person to person. Um, I think I always recommend for people to go in deep on content, whether that's all in or whether that's like, Hey, you go to your nine to five and your five to 10 is content, especially when you're young. Like I can't say it enough, like try everything and work your, your ass off because that is your, your time to do it. Um, you shouldn't be focused on like partying and chasing girls. Like I wish I'm talking to (laughs) yourself a little bit too. Like that is such a waste of time. Like you really can be working 14, 15 hours a day. I'm not trying to like venture into the hustle porn side of things, but like you can be grinding 15 hours a day uh, when you're 19, 20, 23, 24. And um, that shouldn't be difficult. Like it just shouldn't. So my thing is always get into the content game. Even if it doesn't work out, you're now equipped with modern skills that are almost necessary for survival and success in in this digital era. So you need to, and maybe you're not going to be a video editor or a content creator or a curator or whatever. Maybe you're not going to use any of these skills, but even knowing these skills and understanding them intimately uh, puts you in a position of success because even if you're a business owner that doesn't make any content, you're going to have a marketing team that does. You're going to be hiring creators that do and understanding the process understanding what goes into editing, what goes into storytelling, how to communicate with an audience, how to, you know, all of these things is, is, is just like, 
such an important skill to possess. And so, yeah, my, my advice to everybody who, who comes to me, should I start making content? I'm always like, yes. It's like, chances are you're not going to become a successful content creator. This is not going to be, but like worst case scenario, you're now equipped with invaluable skills uh, that you're going to need to navigate you know, the modern digital yeah. era. So and another, an, I don't know if that, that's, that's kind of a rough question, but without more context, it's another to thing to say on this is like, this literally was me actually. So like now that I, as you were talking, I was reflecting, like I, the thing I try to do before making content was make a clothing brand. And so I had no knowledge of making a clothing and no knowledge, knowledge of making content. And what happened is I, I picked, let's go down the clothing path. What happened is it was a struggle to learn how to make clothing as you would expect with any type of product. But also I had no distribution to get signal back to if my clothes were good or even how to sell them. So it was like, I was kind of screwed both ways. So after that stopped, I was like, all right, let me just start with the content and here we are. Now, do I have a successful product? No. Have I been able to sell any clothes, like make any clothes and build any clothes? No. But now I feel way more confident that if I had the right product, I could sell it six ways a Sunday. If the, I don't know if that's a quote, 10 ways a Sunday, 12, ways, whatever the quote is, but like, that, so that, that's a good, I guess that's a good example where like, I wish I started with content much earlier. I wish when I was 22, I started with content because by now I'd be able to tell any story in any way, in any medium and sell any product. We're just getting to the point now where I feel like my skills are even kind of close to being able to do that. So another example is this guy I found Logan Anderson. You should, you, you would like this guy. You should find this guy on Instagram or TikTok. He, I think he spent seven years with uh, doing video for an agency and he just launched a clothing brand called Evoke Amore. Now, I don't know, his clothing brand looks so small. I think he's in his first drop, but like he just, I just reposted a video he made the other day. He made the sickest. Is he on Instagram? I can't find uh, Yeah, I think it goes by like, I, I think he goes by like, uh, let's see. Oh, it's, it's Logan Armstrong, my bad. It's Logan Strong Arms is his Instagram handle. Um, so this, I think he made a video talking about like how I made a clothing brand and it was one of the sickest videos I've seen. Didn't get a ton of views on TikTok, but he, he, he doesn't have that huge of an account, but like he said, the reason I was able to do this is because I worked at, I made commercials for a video agency for seven years and then I launched my clothing brand. So it's like, even if he made the sickest clothes in the world, but had never made any content, he wouldn't be able to get the message out. So I, I, I you know, to circle around again, I think content, you should start with content. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you know, if I continue compounding at the rate I am now with, with the knowledge and the skills that I'm picking up, when I do come out with that product that is just so irresistible, it's like, I know I can get a million views on like anything now, kind of, you know, like, I'll, okay, if I need to go out and get a million views on this product announcement, like I'm going to go the cinematic route. I know exactly how to piece it together, how to do it. And so again, like those skills are invaluable. Um, and if you're somebody, hey, maybe you never figured it out. Maybe I never figured it out. I can then offer, you know, my services to somebody else to to take their product to the next level. So it's like just being, again, just having these skills and just understanding the game, how it works, um, regardless if that is going to be your your career route or if that's something you're going to pursue successfully or not. Just developing those skills is is of utmost importance. And I just think, um, in general, if there's advice that I'm going to give to you know, to young people's like is build a skill and do it better than anybody else. That's just one of the best ways I think to, to build wealth and, and to build yourself into something. Let's leave it on that weekends. Episode nine. If you got this far, you're a diehard. Thank you for listening. Share this with a friend, share this with another creator, hit us up in DMS. Let us know what topics you want us to cover. Sometimes we just let it rip. Sometimes we talk about specific things like the vision pro. If you guys want us to cover something, let us know. But for now, 
We're out of here. Yeah, I would love that feedback, honestly, man. I'd love to, uh, you know, just from a product mind, you build something, you iterate, you talk to customers, you iterate, you talk to customers, you iterate. I think we can kind of approach it the same way where it's uh, don't be afraid to give us feedback, positive or negative. I think that will uh, enable us to deliver the best possible product in the long run. Hell yeah. All right, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Yes, sir. All right.